Welcome to the Messiah Podcast. We are so glad you tuned in today. Whether you are driving, doing chores, or taking a walk, we hope the Lord quiets your head and your heart to hear truth and be challenged through His Word. Without further ado, let's dive into the message. Well, grab a Bible, would you, and start turning over to Genesis chapter 3. Uh, I'm enjoying as we're studying through the book of Ruth, going back to the very beginning and trying to understand uh, some more things about why things happen. And uh, in fact, today we're going to talk about why do bad things happen? And uh, I think it's something that we can all relate to. I mean, why? I mean, why? Why, why do bad things happen in our lives? Because they do. There's always bad things that are happening. And it's not any one particular thing. It's just things happen. And we're going to find out in Genesis chapter 3 about maybe why they happen. Um, so let's dive right in, and then we'll talk about it just for a moment. So you might recall that God places Adam and Eve into the garden, and God says, everything is very good. I mean, everything is perfect. And you might recall last week we talked about God, when we went from perfect, which is like, you know, dreams. This was God's dream for us. And then in chapter 5, you might remember, chapter 6, God talked about he regretted that he made us. We went from dreams to reality of, of a crashing. This is really where we are. And now we're going to find out, like, like, how did we go from here to here? Where did it all start? And uh, so they're in this garden. And then you know the story that the serpent comes. Satan comes in the form of a serpent and tempts Eve to eat this fruit. All right. Chapter 3, verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the, tree in the gar- from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, there's a key, like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together, made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Here's what I want you to see. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Great answer. Blame God and blame her, right? I mean, bad things happen. And you notice that we're always quick to point the blame. We're always quick to point the finger at somebody. Somebody's got to be to blame for this. Instead of Adam looking at himself and saying, this was my choice. I was disobedient. This was my choice. He throws God under the bus, throws his wife under the bus. And you can imagine how things went after that for Adam. Probably not very well that night. It just didn't go well when he had to face his wife. So it's so easy when we think about why do bad things happen, God tells us that things are going to rust. God tells us that people do things for greed. People do things because they're selfish. 
God tells us that people do things because they want to be like God and they want to decide what's right and what's wrong for them and they don't want anybody else judging them on what they want to do and why they want to do things. God tells us all throughout the Bible that we're going to have issues, we're going to have problems, we're going to have sickness, we're going to have death, we're going to have cancer, we're going to, our bodies are going to decay, they're going to die. I mean, things are going to happen. And isn't it interesting that when bad things happen, who do we oftentimes blame? Absolutely. Thank you, Greg. It's really good to have you back, Greg. Greg was in a really bad car accident seven weeks ago. Seven, right? And uh, good to have you back. It's just amazing to have you back and, and healthy. Praise God. Amen. Okay, so back to... Sorry, Greg. You just threw me for a minute. Uh, why do bad things happen? We have, a, we have a lot of reasons why bad things happen, but oftentimes what we do is we want to blame God. I want you to think about that for a minute. God said we're going to die. So when somebody dies, why do we blame God? When bad things happen, why do we blame God? And sometimes it's, God, you caused this, or God, you didn't protect me, or God, you didn't stop it from happening, you're at fault. And when something good happens, we take the credit. That's our human nature. And actually, from a Bible standpoint, it's actually the complete opposite. Life is going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. And maybe there's somebody's fault. Maybe they're not. Maybe it's circumstances. Maybe it's just our bodies. Our bodies are dying. They are. They're dying. And why? We can go back to Genesis 3, out of disobedience. God said, you're going to die. And she didn't just keel over dead. Adam didn't keel over dead. But what they did is they started progression of things are going to die. Things are going to break. I mean, cars break, right? I mean, people try to cheapen things up, make more money. Greed, cheapen things up, they break. They, they break down. Things happen. Life happens. Why do we blame God for something bad that happens? And I'll tell you what, if you take nothing from the message, I want you to really think every time something bad happens, don't blame. Bad things happen. But when something good happens, this is what God says. We can look at this later in James 1. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Coming down from the Father. Every good and perfect thing comes from the Father. What do we do? Blame him? So, I was working on an engine this last week. And uh, I noticed a little oil leak, and it bothered me. So I decided to fix it. Couldn't get my arm in there very well. I mean, it's in a bad spot. So I actually um, took off this hose, to I mean, both sides of the hose, only to find out that wasn't leaking. <clears throat> Hate it when that happens. Who can I blame? Nobody. Me. So I found the problem. I fixed the problem. I went to put the hose back on cross-threaded it. I'm so mad. So I thought, well, maybe if I just try, it'll work. Didn't work. Took it back out. Put it back in. Cross-threaded it. Took it back out. 
So I wish you could have seen me. I wish I had a picture. The only way to get to this part is I'm laying, laying across the engine. Spread eagle. Hands down, working real tight. Took me two hours yesterday, two hours to put one, one nut in. God was saying, are you blaming somebody? Just me, God. Are you mad? No, God, but a little help would be good. I mean, I kept saying, little help would be good, God. Little help would be good. Who could I get mad at? It was my own fault. It's amazing how this will change your perspective. Things happen. Bad things happen. It doesn't matter necessarily the why. Bad things happen. But we can reach out and say, God, can you help me through this? Can you help me with this? And God loves to help us. All right, now what does this have to do with Ruth? Start turning over to Ruth. Because bad things happen. Do you remember in Ruth chapter 1, Naomi went to Moab, tripped like going down to Detroit, went to Moab. She was full. She had a husband and two sons, and within 10 years the husband died, and her two sons died, and they came back, and she came back full, and she says she came back empty, She's, she no longer wants to be called pleasant. She wants to be called bitter. And five times, you might recall from last week, she said, God made my life, God did this. God made my life bitter. I'm bitter because of God. God did it. She kept blaming God, kept blaming God. Why? Because her husband died and her sons died. And she has a faithful daughter-in-law whose name is Ruth who comes back with her, gives up her family, gives up her home, her country, gives it all up and follows her mother-in-law to take care of her mother-in-law. And that's where we are in chapter 2. So now they're back in Bethlehem, and we start with chapter 2, verse 1. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the, the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, okay, we'll come back to that. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. As it turned out, yeah, you're smiling. Who's behind that? God. It's amazing when people say, well, that was a coincidence, and they literally mean that was happen chance. Nobody behind it. You know, you've heard me say this. When people say, that was a coincidence, affirm them. You are right. Because you know what a coincidence is? It's like a co-op. It's a cooperation between two entities. A coincidence means there's an incident that happened, and there's a cooperating partner who's also part of this incident, who is the cooperating agency or, or entity. It's God. And a coincidence is a God incidence. It always is. When you say, whoa, that was an incidence. That was a coincidence. Absolutely. It was a God incident. God's part of it. God loves to do those things. God was orchestrating this. When they came back, God was taking care of Ruth because God knew that Ruth and Boaz, I'm spoiling it, but they're going to get married someday. 
And so God knew this, so what he did is he said, hey, Ruth, whisper in her ear, keep going, not that field, keep going, not that field, not that field, that field. And as it turned out, it was Boaz. And God smiles because he's like, yes, it's the right field. Okay, so she's in Boaz's field. Just then, Boaz arrives, uh, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. Do you think that was by chance that he just arrived when, when Ruth arrived? No. See, isn't it amazing in life? If you're not looking for God, you're going to miss him. If you're not watching for a God incident, you're going to miss God working. Because every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And God loves to orchestrate things. He loves to be the coincident. He loves to do things. And what we're doing is you don't see God mentioned anywhere here, but yet we know that God is behind all of this. So then Boaz says, the Lord bless you. They answered, uh, just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? Overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvester. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in a shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Here's what I want you to really pull out. This is applicable to our daily life. When given the opportunity, always do something good. Always. You and I are provided opportunities and when we don't realize it, by God. God gives us an opportunity to make a difference, to do something nice for someone, to love someone. Remember, God is on mission to reach the world. God is on mission to save the world. And he does it through us. He does it in our daily lives. And it doesn't start with a gospel presentation. It starts with an act of love. It starts with an act of kindness. It starts with an act of mercy or an act of grace or an act of love or an act of kindness. It always starts very simple. God provides an opportunity and you have a choice. Do I take it? Do I do something? Do I do something good or do I just ignore it? I mean, Boaz could have said, hey, Ruth, nice to have you today. Done. Remember, she was picking up the scraps and the leftovers is what she was doing. Was she helping him and his business? Absolutely not. Not one bit. She had no value to Boaz. Boaz took advantage of the opportunity to do something kind and generous and nice to her and told everybody, protect her. Told the guys, watch over her. If she's thirsty, let her drink. Take care of her. Do something good for her. And I think that's a good reminder for us that God works through us 
every day, giving us opportunities for us to do something for someone else. And it's God at work through us. That's what God loves to do. And he loves to use us. Remember, God can do things like miraculously without us, but by choice, God likes to do things through us. He gives us the chance to do it so that we have the chance to have the heart of God. God loves to be generous, kind, helpful. God loves to do that. And every day, God gives us the opportunity to do like God and have the heart of God and a heart of love and grace and kindness. He has those. He gives us those. Don't ever, I mean, when you walk out of here, Take advantage of every opportunity to do something good for someone because it's telling them and showing them your love for Jesus. Okay, so at this she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told. Okay, just stop. I've been told. How are you living your life? Is there enough about your life to even convict you of being a believer in Christ? And I don't mean that in a condescending way. Is there enough evidence in your life that somebody could look at your life and say, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that person is a follower of Jesus? I know by the way they act, by the way they talk, by the way they're kind, by the way they're generous, I can see in their life the way they live their life by all means, they are a follower of Jesus Christ. Because that's the kind of behavior that, that somebody says, wow, I was told, or I heard, or I knew, or I saw. That should be a mark of every believer in Christ. Remember that song? They will know we are Christians by our what? Our love. Not by our words. By our love that everybody should know that we're a follower of Christ by the way that we live our lives. And Boaz was told, what was he told? I've been told about all what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. What a testimony of her life. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. That's, there's that psalm reference. Uh, you know what's amazing about this? Can I pause? This is, this is one of those cool things in the Bible. He was wishing a blessing on her, right? That she would be rewarded. He had no idea that God would use him to be that person in her life. Remember, he was gonna, he's going to marry her. Boaz is, is soon to be given the opportunity to love her the way that he's giving a blessing to her. See, that's where I'm, I guess what I'm encouraging you, that oftentimes God wants to use us not just to bless someone, but to actually be a blessing in their life. And Boaz was wishing God blessing to, for God to bless her, and God must have smiled and said, okay, I'll answer that prayer. You're going to be the one that does it. And he had no idea. They were just following. I mean, I love Ruth because you can see God weaving. You can see God moving, even though it's not evident. 
Okay, verse 12. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. And she will for the rest of her life through Boaz. She said, you have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here. Have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. Once again, he had an opportunity to do something good for her. He fed her. That was incredible. He fed her. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted. In other words, another, another opportunity to do good. And she had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some socks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. Again, another opportunity for him to be generous, to take from his and give to her. Amazing. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah, about 30 pounds. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over, and she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today was Boaz, she said. All right, now we're about to see another divine moment. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead, she added. That man is our close relative. He's one of our guardian redeemers. Okay, do you remember last week? We start out with a dream, then we crash, this is reality, and then redemption. This is God in the process of redemption. That's where we are, all of us. That God created us, perfect. We're sinners, crashed. Doesn't matter how bad we crashed, doesn't matter where we've been, it doesn't matter how bad our life was. God is in the daily process of redeeming us, winning us back, that's what redeeming means of keeping us close to Jesus, doing something good in our life, bringing out of bad something good, using us daily to bring something positive and good. Well, what is this guardian redeemer? So a guardian redeemer, this was God's idea. And it actually was kind of like foretelling Jesus, who's our ultimate redeemer. And let's just say in... That time frame, you had a piece of ground that you had inherited and you had to sell it because you fell in bad times. And you sold it. A guardian redeemer could come in and purchase it to get it back to you. They had the right so that if a guardian redeemer came up to the, to the new owner and said, I'm the guardian redeemer of the person who is destitute. I want to buy your land. He had to sell it back to him. Had to by law because he was a guardian redeemer. And so here is this person, and Naomi was reminded, he's our guardian redeemer. Now there's another part of a guardian redeemer that we're going to see that Boaz used this, but here's the simpleness of this. Like I and my family, I have two brothers. If we were, and a sister, if we were living at this time and my brother died, and had no children, God allowed 
in fact, mandated that a brother marry the sister-in-law, even if I was married, take the sister-in-law, have children with her, so that my brother would have a child, and the first child born would be declared my brother's child. Is that making sense? So a guardian redeemer would provide the sister-in-law with a child. Now remember, this is where the story gets interesting in the next couple chapters. Because Ruth has no child because her husband died. And Boaz shows up. Well, how does he show up? He's the guardian redeemer, which is pretty amazing. God orchestrated all of this, and this is why he was able to marry Ruth. God was orchestrating every step of the way. And, I'm, and I just want to encourage you today, encourage you, take a step back and look at your life from the perspective of God. When bad things happen, God's in a process of redemption, bringing something good out of it. God always brings something good out of it. Always, that's his promise. And oftentimes God uses us to bring something good out of it. When somebody else's life collapses or something happens, God uses us as part of that redeemer. God wants to use us. He's doing it, using us to help somebody bring something good out of something bad. I pray that God will open your eyes to see every opportunity to be that guardian redeemer, to be that, that person that God wants to use for his glory, for his benefit, for his plan and purpose. And it's nothing difficult. How hard was it for one of the harvesters to pull out a sheaf and put it on the ground for her. God used that simple act to impact Ruth's life. Golly, how, how easy would it be to take a couple extra dollars out and give it to somebody who's serving you in a restaurant? Same thing, take a couple extra out and you have no idea how God is using you in the simplest of ways. Look at your life from, okay God, give me opportunity to be you, to show your love, because it's in showing their love that they're gonna meet you. And that's what Ruth is about. God orchestrating through normal, ordinary, regular people, God orchestrating his divine plan. And you and I are part of it. Look for those opportunities to do good and do it every time because you have no idea what God is up to through you. Okay, well, let's pray. Um, God, how can we ever say thank you enough that the ultimate redeemer is Jesus himself who came to win us back? And God, you saved us, but now you've commissioned us. There's that word again, commission. It's your mission, and we work with you. You commission us to be your hands and feet on this earth, 
God, you're in a mission right now to save as many people as you can, and you want to work in us and through us to do that. Help us to love every person we meet. Help us to show grace and kindness and mercy to every person we meet so that we can point the way to you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray, and everybody said, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you are challenged and encouraged to walk in truth in your everyday. Please share with friends and family, and we can't wait to have you next time on the Messiah Podcast.